Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Word and amen. Good morning, Grace and Truth Church, and everyone watching in any other format or listening anywhere in the world. We love you. Well, a woman woke up one morning. Happened to be Valentine's Day. And she told her husband, she said, hey, I had a dream last night that you gave me a diamond necklace. What do you think that means? And he goes, well, you'll find out tonight. And so she, <laughs> she was excited all day. And he comes in with a little package in the evening. He hands it to her and she opens it up very excitedly. And it's a book that says how to interpret dreams. <laughs> He slept on the couch that night. <laughs> oh. There, I'll tell you another one that's short. There, um, there, there was a, in, a, in a dark theater, a woman cries out, please, is there a doctor in the house? And, and several men call out yes and, and they stand up as the lights come on <laughs> and, and then this elderly woman stands up and she's pulling her daughter up beside her and she says okay good now would it, are any of you doctors single and would you like to date with a young Jewish girl <laughs> hallelujah okay <laughs> I'm going to stop right there <laughs> Listen, I want to I want to start with sort of a sort of an announcement, uh, but I think it's just part of the message today. Praise God. Um, we all, you all know that I'm um, involved with Karis Bible College with Andrew Womack, and you are too. <laughs> we we are uh, we are yoked together with them. And uh, we support that ministry. It is the most transparent ministry of integrity and uh, uprightness that you will ever, ever find. Uh, and everyone that even looks into those things says so. So anyway, I, I happen to, to love them dearly. And they having the men's advance for 2023 coming up very soon. Uh, it's actually uh, March the 9th through the 11th up in uh, Woodland Park, Colorado, where Karis Bible College is. Up, you go to Colorado Springs and then you go up <laughs> by Pikes Peak and get your oxygen, you know. But anyway, it's beautiful up there, and, and they're having that. And anyway, for uh, for quite a number of years, uh, a couple of uh, personalities that you might know. Uh, have been uh, a part uh, and tied to to Andrew and his ministry, and they uh, they come to events. I'll just read this letter. It says, uh, "Dear friend, I have a very important update that I thought you would like to know about for the men's advance 2023 equipped to lead event. It's basically a men's uh, Bible uh, event for a few days where it, it it talks about how God wants." Uh, us to prosper in every way and it tries to bring out the man that God created 
them to be and uh, to help them to prosper in their families and their faith and their finances. So it's a good thing and they've, uh, they've done it for a while now. <clears throat> but he says, uh, equipped to leave it. There has been a slight change in plans regarding the speaker lineup due to my stance on homosexuality. And uh, we know that Andrew's views are just straight from the Bible. Amen. As all of ours should be. Um, the world, we know, often doesn't understand that. And they think that that means hate. And, you know, if, um, we're, if they know the truth and the Christian is operating in the truth and with the right motivation, then we love everybody. Mm -hmm. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. We hate the sin and love the sinner. Amen. And we're not, we're not going to call evil good. We can't. Once you know the truth and what sin does to people, um, how could you go back to calling it good? So anyway, um, that's what it's all about. So TV sportscasters James Brown and Tony Dungy, whom I love and deeply regard as brothers in Christ, will no longer be speaking at the conference this year. They need to focus on a spiritual battle they're facing, but plan to be back next year. However, I have some good news to share. Jeremy Pearson's renowned speaker, outreach minister, pastor, and grandson of Kenneth Copeland will be stepping in. Additionally, we're blessed to have Bishop E.W. Jackson, founder of the Called Church and host of The Awakening. And also Billy Upperhart will be there. Anyway, it says, on a personal level, the news about J.B. and Tony was a little disheartening, but it brings home the cultural war our nation is engaged in. Remember that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I encourage you to please keep JB and Tony in prayer. We know that God is on their side and he works all things together for good. Um, they both communicated their apologies and love for me. Everything is good with us and they're dealing with this as the Lord leads them, I believe. They have supernatural favor, and the Lord gives them wisdom to use their position of influence as he directs. So anyway, there's that. And uh, it's not, uh, as you might have surmised from that, it's not JB or Tony that are not wanting to come. And um, as you know, uh, and <clears throat> that JB is a, a football announcer, um, uh, for one of the major networks, and um, and so is Tony Dungy. He was a very famous football coach, and now he's a announcer for one of the um, broadcasting networks as well. One of the one of the one of the they're both two of the the big ones, right? And uh, it's 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 them that are telling them they can't go. They don't like their association with Andrew. And it's because of the things he mentioned. And I just want to show you that this is real, folks. This is what we're dealing with. And these are wonderful men of God. I, you know, I've, I've been in meetings with them. They've been associated with our ministry for a while. They're, they're outstanding men of God. They love the Lord. They love the ministry. And, uh, and uh, this pressure is just, you know, it's really something. I mean, when none of us can really judge them. I mean, you know, well, we'd love to see, we know we'd love to see, but, you know, who knows what we would do because uh, it's a lot of pressure and it's a, you know, it's a lot for them to, to pray through. So just be praying for them. But you see that, and you remember if I told you about the, the uh, 
the dream I had lasted all the night uh, through uh, January the 9th uh, into the morning of the 10th where I saw all the different uh, uh, deceptions and uh, the demonic uh, forces that are against us and and uh, the, the, the football, the sports uh, arena was one of the things that one of the situations I went through where the deception and was so great. So anyway, I wasn't surprised, but it's a little sad. So anyway, I just want to share that with you. And uh, so just be praying for those men and for, for the ministry. And any of you guys feel like driving to Colorado, it's a, it's a good event. Well, we've been talking about how Jesus himself said that he wants us to be blessed and prosperous in every way, didn't he? He said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full, right? John 10, 10. Well, he does. And that's for every area of our life. And, uh, but I want us to get deeper into that, get some more understanding from the word so that we uh, are strong in, uh, in this doctrine, okay? And I say doctrine because I want to just mention that First, if you look over in 1 Timothy chapter 4, probably be in Timothy a little bit this morning. Um, back there, five T's in a row. Alright, 1 Timothy chapter 4. This is Paul talking to his spiritual son, Timothy, and... Uh, giving him some advice. And uh, I'm going to say I'm going to start at the 12th verse, but you know me. <laughs> I may back up a minute. He's, uh, he's talking about how the Holy Spirit has shared with him that in these end times, uh, some will depart from the faith and devote themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And uh, this is a real thing. There are so many cults now, so many different things, calling themselves good. And it's, it's all designed just to Christian, the people that would be Christians for them not to understand. And they say, oh, I thought this was, they say they're Christian, you know. And they go in there and they get deceived and they get trapped into this stuff. And then others who have gone to places where they really hear the truth and it's not what their itching ears want to hear. So they go find a place or a group of folks who will agree with the things that are opposed to the word and they all will begin to call that good, you see. And that's just how it starts. And there's, there's lots of ways that these things start, but it's really rampant. And uh, we always knew it would be. It was back then, when 2,000 years ago, when this was New Testament was being written, and it's even worse now. Um, but Paul's talking to Timothy, and uh, so he's telling him how to be a pastor, how to be. He's a pastor of pastors. He's 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 uh, he's got. Back then, they had a very a huge church, but it was divided up into like basically home groups. You know, 
and he was the pastor of all the pastors over those, right? So he had to, he had a big job. He was probably in his 30s and his youth uh, was something that probably he gave him a little insecurity. Anyway, Paul talked to him about all these things and uh, yeah, I'll get down, to, get down to it. So let me just, the 12th verse, uh, 11th verse, he said, command to teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example. So he's telling him not to let anyone despise his youth, but it's not by force. The way that he's telling him to do that is by being an example. By in, in your speech and in your conduct and in love and in your faith and in unity. In other words, you be the representation of what of Jesus. Your integrity your, is what is going to command respect. There's a difference in demanding respect and commanding it, right? And, you know, someone who's the, the leader or the boss, they shouldn't, they shouldn't need people to, you know, I've been in places where I, I used to get invited to go and minister at these conferences. And, and this uh, one apostle, um, a self-proclaimed apostle, didn't speak to me for like three years after I ministered at his church. And he had we, talked to me all the time before that. I didn't really know what was going on until I found out later. He finally said, well, I guess he thought I'd been punished enough, but I wasn't being punished. But he said, well, you address me as by my first name in front of the congregation instead of as apostle. And so you see, this is, this is deception. And now this same person who, I mean, it, it's just like from the, the, from uh, I mean, who has bewitched you? I mean, this this guy has gone so far off that now he's he's uh, you know he's he's proclaiming the black Jesus and and um, and you know it's just sort of a hatred movement. He's sort of like a Black Panther type. type. And uh, I just pray for him, you know, that uh, the Lord will get a hold of him. But man, it just takes a little bit of loving, a little bit of pride to get in there, and it can take you so far. Off. So anyway, he's telling Timothy to be the example for this body. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Notice this. The first thing he talks about is the word. To exhortation. And that's, that's sort of... Um, one time I went to a conference. They gave me a badge. I was an exhorter. And I had to go look up what, what I was supposed to be doing there. <laughs> But it's an, it's an encouragement or a strong, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I beseech you, brothers, listen, yeah, do this, apply this to your life. You know, God is good. God is, you know, it's an exhorter. You're exhorting them. And uh, so, but he first, he said, and God puts things in order for a reason, right? So he's talking about the word first. And then he says, and exhort and, uh, and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift. Then he says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and the hearers. 
So Paul is saying that the word must come first. And I'm, I'm as you know, I agree, right? But the word has to be the anchor in your life. Not only the, the minister's life, but also the, the, the disciples, the, the believer's life. The, the life of integrity. So the word has to be first and foremost in my life, in my own personal life, and also in my ministry. I really believe that, and that's what, that's what I will always stand on as long as God gives me a voice in this life, because I really believe the importance of it. Then, he says, utilize the gifts of the Spirit to confirm the Word. You understand what I'm saying? It's very important. The Word of God isn't, I mean, it's exciting to me, but for believers, um, especially um, in the culture in which we live in, the word isn't always so exciting. What they're looking for is a goosebump. Um, they're looking to chase around after the spiritual gifts. Um, you kind of put it like this. It's kind of like eating your vegetables instead of your dessert, you know? <laughs> and <laughs> it's necessary for a healthy Christian to eat, to, to eat the vegetables, to, 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 to feed on the word of God. Amen. Amen. The gifts, though, are awesome and necessary and important. And we don't want to do without those. And we're not going to be without those. I'll flow in the gifts. And you will, too. And I know that some of you have gifts that are still yet to be drawn out of you. But there are... We're going to see a lot of wonderful signs and wonders and things confirming the word in our midst. But God is raising up real disciples here. And I, I'm beginning to see more and more clearly all the time what the Lord is up to. And it's, it's, it's always a concern when you don't have place for children's ministry and all that. So you don't have the families and all that. But what I see he's doing is raising up a group of mature, true disciples who know the word, are grounded in the word, and can teach others, and will be able to help others to grow into in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Otherwise, what you can do if you just if you don't base if you don't base a ministry or a church on the word of God, you can throw out a big net, and it can be a mile wide and an inch deep. Some of you are going to get that later. <laughs> but we don't want shallow Christians, huh? We don't want baby immature Christians that never grow up, do we? Have you heard about the Asbury College revival? Any of you keeping up with that in Kentucky? Well, there's a revival going on over there. It's been going on for days. Awesome. Look it up. It's worth looking into. And uh, wonderful things are happening. The Spirit of the Lord is moving. And you can see pictures online and stuff like that. And they're just, they're just there. People are just soaking. They're praying around the clock. They're just, in the presence of the Lord is just there in their midst. Why 
And, and this is not the first place that revival has began to break out around the nation. I told you this was coming, right? This beginning stages of the third great awakening, which can take decades. An awakening is not like a revival. See, that's a revival in one place, a time like that, a, a church or a town, something like that. But an awakening is an, it can be an entire nation. And that's what's coming here. We're coming out of woke deception yes. to awaken to the real, the real, true, and living God. Amen. Amen. Yes. Why, though? Why would you think that Asbury College has a revival and other places don't? Why did God pick that place? Or did he pick that place? Let me tell you this. Asbury College, look it up when you get a chance and find out how many times revival has taken place there. A lot. I remember right after 1900, right around 1907, I think, something like, probably misquoting that, but, and then half a dozen times since then, at least, Revival has broken out at Asbury College in Kentucky. So God must have a preference for that place. Not true. God's no respecter of persons, is he? Listen, what do you, what do you think the key is? Let me just, never mind. I'm not trying to trick anybody. I just want you to think about it for a second. But I guarantee you, the students, the believers of that college, knowing the history of all of the revivals that have taken place there, have a sense of expectancy of God to break out in revival there. And I'm telling you, that's the key. Expectancy. God wants revival more than his people do. He's not withholding it from anyone. He's just waiting for people to, and, and you, can't, you can't move God. If, if he wasn't moved by Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago, he's not gonna be moved by you. Example, what did our brother say a while ago when he was opening up about the journaling and hearing God's voice? Hopefully all of you have been doing that. I know I have. And he said, you want to, you want to exponentially, you want to add to that, fast for a few days. Is he wrong? Absolutely not. He's act, act right on. But why? By, by fasting, is that, is that making God do something that he wouldn't have done had you, had you not fasted? Not at all. God's not moved. Who's it changing then? You. You. It's, clear, it's, it's helping you to hear God more clearly. That's what fasting does. First of all, it makes you realize that you, your body is not the, the boss of you. <laughs> You're a spirit with a deciding soul in a body. And if you've been living out of your soulish realm, out of your emotions your whole life, and letting this body boss you around... It's going to take a little while. And fasting is a good place to start. And listen, it doesn't have to be, don't do like Tavana and I did when we first got on fire for God. We just, you know, you know me. If, I, if anybody tells me you can't do something, well, you can. And if they, 
if they say you should do this long, well then twice would be that much better, right? So anyway, we went for a week-long fast, and it was just, <laughs> and, and we were still working and everything, and it was like uh, by day five, I think, we were uh, delirious, right? <laughs> we couldn't even like... We couldn't function, and we were still driving and working. And we, I remember we went to a, a restaurant in Tomball, just uh, like a, 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 an Asian buffet or something, where we, we said we could just have some broth. We could have, like, some soup, and that will be okay, you know. And we were, like, sitting there looking at each other, and we're, like, about the same time. I don't remember who said it first, but we were both thinking, we got to get out of here. And we <laughs> and our pastor said, "Look, and we called. We're like, man, we're just not doing well." <laughs> he says, "Hey, stop! Get something to eat. You you going too far." So anyway, I just want to encourage you because we're going to be doing some fasting. I'm going to invite you to do some fasting. And but since Jeff mentioned it, I just want to tell you, in case you're embarking on these things on your own in pursuit of a better relationship with God, good for you. But don't go crazy. You know what? You can fast from anything. Start with the thing that that has, you know, if if, if the, when you say you God, I'm all yours. That thing that you're hiding behind your back. Start with that. If it's a diet coke, start with that. If it's a piece of chocolate, start with that. You know what I mean? You can you can fast anything. If it's a device with Android or Apple written on it. Start with that, huh? And you will find that it, it, it gets to be fun, you know, and you can do it for a day. You can do it for longer, and then, you, or you can fast completely from food and just have water or coffee. You can, you know, it doesn't have to be just cold turkey. You'll get to that, and that's good to do, you know, and you can, and you can prolong it. Look, our friend Russell, who you know, he... He does it the first of every year, and they go for like three weeks. And uh, it can get quite, it's, it's not easy. But you can get to a place where you're so full of God. Uh, I've heard so many people talk about fasting, and they, they're actually literally burping because they're so full, <laughs> and they haven't eaten a thing in days. Anyway, all right, I'm not going to continue on with that. I don't know how I got off on it, but I didn't want anyone to go hurt themselves. But if you need any counseling on that and you want to pursue it, and we'll do some things together in the future. Amen? Sound fun? All right. So also, man, may not, may not get to it. You know, the, there was back in the 40s, after, right after World War II, um, Gene, you remember? <laughs> anyway, right after World War II, there was something, there was the, the post-war healing revivals. Maybe some of you have studied or read about them. But there was, uh, we're talking about the word. We're talking about the importance of the word still. So keep that in mind. But there, was, there were a lot of guys um, that they went around and did these amazing revivals. They were very anointed men. They walked and they flowed in the gifts of the Spirit. Lots of people were healed. Amazing gifts, words of knowledge. Uh, there was a guy named William Brannan, or Branham, and he um, he would like just line people. He'd come up here, and he'd, people just line up, and he'd just go down the line. And he said, "Now, if I can tell you all your your 
address and phone number where you believe I, that God has sent me, you know, and then he would just start here and go all the way down and never miss, you know, and then he like get to a guy and this guy had a, a, a half body cast on and he said, there's nothing wrong with you. You're a, you're a liar. You're a shyster. You from a newspaper and you're trying to discredit me and the wrath of God is going to come upon you. And anyway, he did all these things like that, but lots of people were healed. Um, but then he got into a little bit of crazy, huh? He started believing his own press a little bit. Hmm? It happens a lot. He didn't have good doctrine. He wasn't raised up in church, really. He, he, he'd gone to his brother's funeral and said that's the first time he'd ever heard a prayer. So he, and he was a grown man when he went back. So anyway, whatever, wherever he got started, he didn't get a good foundation of the word, but God, God used him you know, to some extent, but he ended up telling the people that he had the spirit of Elijah. He was, he was like John the Baptist who came back uh, to announce the second coming of the Lord. And it got to where people could only um, allowed to listen to him. And it just got cultish in nature. And, and people like Kenneth Hagin and others, they went to him and rebuked him and told him that if he didn't, uh, didn't repent and change that, uh, that, that God wasn't going to use him and he didn't listen. And because of that, he didn't last very long, you know, and he just got off into some weird stuff, but he didn't base his life and his ministry on the word of God. And, uh, this is back when Oral Roberts got his start and all that. There was a guy named Jack Coe. He was, uh, one of them. He, uh, had this, uh, the international healing magazine. It was a huge thing around the country. And, uh, <coughs> He had great uh, healing gift as well. One time he had a, a woman up there had this huge cancer on her face and he just started like massaging that thing. What he was doing, he was getting his fingernails into it and when he got a good hold on it, he just yanked it off of her face. And of course, it was very ugly and the thing, blood started squirting out and he just slapped her like that and it was completely healed. Wow. Her skin was renewed. So, I mean, he had... You know, a lot of those guys walked in amazing gifts. And, uh, <laughs> but he was like, he went to, he, he had heard about uh, Oral Roberts had these big tents, you know. So he went, he measured the tent, Oral Roberts right in front of him. And he measured it and then he ordered one bigger. And then he went around telling everybody how great he was and how great his tent was and how he bragged how it was bigger than, than Barnum and Bailey and all that. So he was kind of <laughs> arrogant and, uh, and, uh, and, and so, and he got off too. He didn't, he didn't have a lot of the word to go with it. He got, he got dependent on that gift and everybody come to see the gifts and to see the healings and all that. And that's, that's what it was. So, I mean, you got access to all these wonderful people that Jesus died for and you're using the gifts and it's supposed to be a dinner bell for the word and they're leaving you know, it's the crowds a mile wide. You should see some of the pictures of these tent meetings, but again, an inch deep, right? So again, Kenneth Hagin and uh, I think Gordon Lindsay, who was another one, they were going to go and tell him that he, they had a word from God, they, that he needed to repent and change, or I think he was, they say he was gonna die, you know, soon. And before they could, he died. Um, so anyway, just, just telling you these things to sort of just give a foundation of what I'm talking about and show you the importance and the reason why I believe the way I do and why, um, 
You know, it's so important not just to to gear a church and a ministry around a 15-minute message that's guaranteed not to offend. And then just, you know, the lights and smoke and all that stuff because that's not helping God's people. And that's what we're here to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> but now, in all fairness, there were a lot of others that came out of the, those great movements like that. Kenneth Hagin was one of them. And he had he walked in great, great uh, gifts of the Spirit too, didn't he? But what also did he do? He taught. He taught the Word, didn't he? Yeah. So he based it on teaching and he lived and ministered up into his, into his late 80s, I think. Yeah. And Smith Wigglesworth was another one. He was from England, but he did come over here and, uh, and uh, that was in the mid, middle of the war and around that time he was still ministering, yeah. But he was getting quite old. He didn't even get really used on the na national stage and God didn't use him until he was about 55. He got a late start, kind of like I did. And he said when he got saved, uh, it broke the hearts of 17 saloon owners. <laughs> he couldn't even read. His wife taught him how to read the King James Bible. And once he learned, that's the only, that's the only thing he would allow in his home. He wouldn't even let a newspaper in there. But he taught the word. He loved the word and, and he operated in gifts. He saw people raised from the dead. He saw people healed. And he's another one. He would always... You know, he'd hit people in the stomach and stuff like that. And his friend asked him one time, why, you, why do you hit people? And he goes, I don't hit people. I, I'm hitting the devil. Sometimes they just get in the way. <laughs> he believed all sickness and infirmity was from the devil. And, you know, there's a case to be made for that. And so he just didn't put up with it. <laughs> Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, doesn't it? Matthew chapter 4 says that the word of God is how we fight the devil. Isn't that where Jesus said in response to the enemy's attempts at him every time? It is written. It is written. It is written. And then the enemy fleed from him, didn't he? Psalm 107 20, doesn't it say that the word of God was sent and it healed us and delivered us from our afflictions? Mark 4 says that the word of God is the seed. It's all in seed form and it's how the kingdom of God works. So how could you go without the word? How could you not be established in the word and expect to have a successful Christian walk? When it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, it's the Word that is preached and is confirmed by the signs and wonders. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 2. Hmm? But 3 John 2 is a scripture that we talked about um, when we started this prosperity uh, God of abundance and El Shaddai and Jehovah Jireh sort of series that we're on, I guess. I never plan a series, but but I never end a message either. We just stop and start again. <laughs> Praise God. So. <laughs> but it said, 3 John 2 is the, the scripture that a lot of people base their prosperity message on. It says, the Lord says, 
Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospers. And it is God's will for us to prosper in every area of our life. There's no doubt about it. But it's interesting in that scripture to see the correlation made between the soul and the body. You notice that, right? Even as your soul prospers. That you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Hmm? He was talking, the Apostle John wrote that, and, and he was talking to his friend named Gaius. We don't know too much about him, but he was praying that he would prosper and be in good health to the same degree as his soul was actually prospering, right? Isn't that how you read it? So just ask yourself today, if someone prayed that prayer over you, and they wanted you to prosper to the same degree that your soul was prospering, would it be a blessing? Yeah. Or would we need to check your pulse? <laughs> Here's my point. Do, I, do you think I want you all to prosper? Yes. yes. Do you believe that God wants you all to prosper? Yes. I do and he does. It's a fact. But it's really dangerous when a Christian's material prosperity gets ahead of his spiritual prosperity. Mm -hmm. sure. mm -hmm. Psalm 37, verses 3 through 5 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. That's that preparation I was talking about, a life of faith, a life of faithfulness. You can't separate the two, faith and faithfulness. That's your preparation. And then the opportunity, when, the, when preparation meets opportunity, that's your, your life of faith meets, meets grace, the open doors and windows of opportunity provided by the Lord. Amen. Amen. Verse four, though, says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. And... He will give you the desires of your heart. I like to say it this way. Delight yourself in the Lord first, and he will put his desires in your heart. Amen. You with me? Yes. Commit your way. To, and, then he, and in verse 5, he says it sort of just in a sort of a different way. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him, and he will act. Matthew 6, 33, Jesus speaking, he says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. What things? The things that the world is spending their whole life chasing after. He says, we don't have to worry about it. Your father knows you need him. Put him first. Seek him first and his righteousness. The righteousness that comes by faith in Christ. The righteousness that is credited to you by faith. Huh? The same as Abraham. Matthew 6, 33. I, you know, I love that Matthew is the one that, even though Jesus said it, I love that Matthew is the one who wrote that down. The ex-tax collector that was hated 
by the Jewish people. But see, he had been wealthy. All the tax collectors were wealthy. They got wealthy off of their own people, taking advantage of it. They'd go collect the taxes for the Romans, and then they'd get a lot more than they were supposed to and keep it all. And they were allowed to do that. So Matthew had a revelation of this, and having had riches before, how many of you ever had a lot of stuff without God? Uh, <clears throat> Matthew had had riches before, and you know what? His guarantee that he had with those riches apart from Jesus before he met Jesus? Sorrow. He got, he got them and then he realized they didn't make him, they didn't fulfill him. If they had, he wouldn't have followed Jesus when he asked him to. I mean, does that stand to reason? No, I'm fine. <laughs> I don't need you. But he wasn't fine. And that's why he followed Jesus. And so now he had an understanding. And now I guarantee you, Matthew had tasted it. Uh, you know, he had seen the good side and, and, and he had been on the bad side probably now. And I guarantee you, he realized it's a lot better on the good side mm -hmm. of finances. Mm -hmm. But now he had an awareness because he had the same Psalms and Proverbs that we do today. And in Proverbs 10, 22, it says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Amen. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm trying to go to. Y'all want to go with me? The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he has no sorrow with it. Because it don't matter what you have, folks. It's not going to fulfill you or make you happy without the blessing of the Lord. Right. First, you want him to make you a good steward of everything he puts in your yes. care. So be praying for that and wisdom. And just stay connected to the vine. A few weeks ago, none of you caught me. I listened to one of my own messages and it was like scratching on a chalkboard. I said... I said, we're like the, it's like the, I, I, I reversed it. I said, we were the, vine. we were the vine and he was disconnecting from the branch or something like that. I had it backwards. And when I heard it, I was like, <laughs> why didn't anyone say anything? I said, oh, they just love me. They all, they all, they all got it. <laughs> but in first Timothy, we're still in first Timothy chapter six. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 8 through 10, Paul is he's, he's admonishing Timothy. He's telling him, he's, you know, he's trying to, this is, Paul is, Paul is not long for this world, okay, at this point. And he's trying to pour all that he can. That's why I love the, the last, uh, you know, the, 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 the night of Jesus', Jesus betrayal and John chapter 14 and you know, all those, those last moments of Jesus life you know he had so much to say you know you notice the same thing when you get to Peter's last letter and with 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 uh, Paul as he's trying so desperately to to pour into this young man anyway he says in in first uh, Timothy chapter 6 verses 8 through 10 but if we have food and clothing with these we will be content food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. 
For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Okay, so you've heard those scriptures before, right? Love of money is the root of all evil and, and that. So he says, if we have food and clothing, with these we'll be content. Because people that want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and so forth and so on. But listen, let me just, let's, let's get some good teaching here on this. This isn't a teaching about prosperity. Paul's not teaching Timothy or talking to or warning him about prosperity like a lot of people would like to make it. What he's doing, he's teaching him on contentment. It's a teaching on contentment, and there's a difference. Paul was saying that we should be content if we have just the things we need. But what he wasn't saying is that God only wants us to have the bare necessities. This is big. If you get it, you get it. Because you'll see these scriptures and you'll have people on both sides of the thing. And, 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 and if, you get, if, the, if the light bulb goes on and you get revelation about this, you, you'll have it. It's yours. And then you'll, you'll be, you know, you'll have a better understanding of God's will and his desire and, his, and what he wants for you. So this is about being content. And why? Well, like I said, God doesn't want, he wants us to be content with just the bare necessities. But he's not saying that's all we should desire. If that were true... Than just having like a roof over our head, <laughs> a spouse, children, a, a, a job, <laughs> being productive members of society, all those things. It would be saying the Lord doesn't want us to want any of those things. And that's not true. He wants us to have all those things, doesn't he? So that's, of course, not what Paul's saying. He's simply saying that any of us who have food, clothes, can, can and, and should be content. Why? Because we belong to God. And as we walk in faith with the Lord, stay, we're the, we're the branch connected to the vine. <laughs> the Lord's going to bless us with those other things. Yes, amen. Huh? Amen. All the things that we desire. Because now he's put his desires in our heart. And they're good. Yes. And when we walk with the Lord in faith. Concerning prosperity. We'll have more than just enough. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's El Shaddai. The God of the all sufficient one. Amen. The God of more than enough. Mm -hmm. We'll have more than enough. For food and clothes. We'll be blessed to do the kingdom work. That he's called us to do and to be a blessing. Amen. Amen. So prosperity, when it's understood and taught properly, has nothing to do with contentment. So it doesn't violate the scriptures here. See? Okay. Those who say, oh, I have enough and I don't want any more prosperity, Lord. You know, they're the ones who are really being selfish. Yeah. <laughs> 
Why? Because they're only using the money for their own needs. But there's a whole world of people out there who need Jesus and they have legitimate needs and, and Christians should have compassion and a desire in their heart to meet those needs. Huh. And that takes financial resources, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. I used to, you know, I used to go to the dollar store. I've told you all the stories. Tavon had helped me. We'd get the paper bags and fill them up with the cheapest deodorant and a toothbrush and stuff like that. A pack of peanut butter crackers or whatever. And one of my Jesus Loves You cards and staple it in the bag. And I'd fill up my whole back seat. And I'd take off and didn't even know where I was going. Listen, I didn't make a very big splash. Did what I could, and God rewards that. You see, God's a God of percentages. He sees all that. And preparation time is never wasted time. But I'm telling you, wouldn't you rather be a part of a body who were all walking in the blessing of the Lord, financially prospering, good stewards because they're grounded in the word of God, really true disciples, making other disciples, and we're pouring in so much of our tithes and offerings because God has blessed us so much that we can, in, we can impact entire regions. Mm -hmm. Huh? I know I have friends who have churches, one not far from here. I, I know him and his wife. They're great people. They don't come from um, this sort of background. They come from, you know, a more traditional denominational background. Praise God. We're going to be with them in heaven. But there's not a lot of power and victory there. But what they do have is they've, they've, been, they've impacted entire nations and tribes in, in Africa. Taking them off of the, the desolate trodden down despised group of people in the region to now they're the most affluent prosperous and other tribes and people are coming to them for wisdom and for loans and everything else that's what one church down the road from here has done because they have so many people pouring into that you see what I'm saying so is prosperity bad when you're doing things like that okay just, just trying to get some stuff in us here, right? So we have an understanding because I know of all the, you know, not all, but I hear of all the craziness, right? There has been a lot of uh, bad things done and a lot of selfish things. Believe me, I've, I've known churches when I, be, when I, you know my story, when I, the Lord called me. I'm like, you have me. I told you that. I'm, I'll never get over being saved. I love you, Lord. But what, what in the world do you want me for? <laughs> I got a late start. There's a church on every corner. They all disagree. What am I supposed to say? If you want me to do this, you'll have to teach me. And he said, okay. But why? They're not what you think. It's not what you think. In other words, the church, as you know, is not what you think. And those Ministers are not always what you think. And I'm not saying I'm not saying this lightly or trying to disparage anyone. I love them all. Praise God. I want everybody to be right with the Lord and being gr grounded in the word. 
But he began to show me then around the body of Christ and he took me around and he showed me things. And I saw churches and, and ministers that, I mean, their church was their harem. And that church bank account was their personal bank account. Men and women. And I'm not saying this thing, you know, I'm not trying to, the shock value of it. I mean, I know it's, that's a terrible thing. But this is the reality of some of the things that go on. And when people, I, I know some that their, their leader, the, the people high up in the, in the organization, ministers, people that have been ordained under this other, they, they say that, you know, I don't even read my Bible. I just go by the booklets that this other minister writes. And then you talk to the minister about it, and they say, well, that's what the apostles did. Back, that's what these epistles are. And there is a basically adding to it, huh? trying to. Isn't that what you would say? I don't know how I got off into this. I, I don't like being in this territory. It scares me. So I'm not trying to hurt anyone. I'm trying to prepare you and protect you from anyone who would take you away from this word. If I, if I teach you or try to teach you anything that tells you that, you know, the different than this word, then, you know, I expect to hear from you about it. You're not going to see that in me. I don't, I love the Lord. I know him personally and you can't unscramble these eggs. I'm all in for Jesus. And I'm not here to make myself famous, but only him. Um, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus taught that to lust, the lust to do something or, or, or an evil concupiscence or an overwhelming desire to do evil, the Bible calls it. He said the lust to do something in your heart is just as bad as the act itself, didn't he? I mean, they're like, all oh, right, this preaches all love and grace. <laughs> and then they started talking about the Ten Commandments, and, and he, made them, he even made them harder. <laughs> he says, yeah, this says don't kill, but have you ever been mad enough at your brother to kill him? You know, then you committed murder in your heart. What? <laughs> <laughs> don't commit adultery? He goes, yeah, you ever looked at someone and thought about it? Then you did it. What? <laughs> Who can be saved? That's what they asked him. They say, well, he said, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Amen. But my point is this. If just the lust or the desire to do something is the same as doing it, wouldn't you agree that many poor people are guilty of the things they desire to do if only they had the money to do it. So the solution isn't staying poor then, is it? It's dealing with the lusts of the heart. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. 1 Timothy 6.10 Money's just a tool. It's not either good or evil. Money can be an asset in the hands of people with the right hearts. 
if they're also a good steward and seek the Lord for wisdom on how to manage it properly. But there are temptations that come with wealth. So we're not going to deny that altogether because that's it's a real thing. Wealth just introduces to people to a whole other set of opportunities to do ugly. <laughs> One of the most subtle and damaging is the temptation to just think that, well, I don't need God anymore. I got it covered. I, you know, my money's going to handle everything for me. And sometimes wealthy people get deceived uh, by the power that that money wields, and, and they just think they don't need him. But if someone loves God, it doesn't have to be like that. Right? So that's why the word is so important. They put a lot of stories in here about a lot of people and I always say anytime it's anything negative, it's not here to hurt that person, is it? Doesn't God love them? And there's a lot of good things in here that we can learn from people. There's a lot of wealthy people, a lot of wealthy people in the Bible that it didn't take away from God, did it? I mean, we learned about, I teach on Balaam sometimes and how you know, God told him to go, go with these men, but then he's mad at him when he went. And the angel of the Lord was going to kill him, and his donkey saved him and talked to him. <laughs> why, was God, why did God tell him to go, and then he was mad when he went? His motives were off. Mm -hmm. huh? Greed had set in. But that wasn't the case with Abraham, was it? God made him rich. He was rich. We heard that <laughs> from our brother Russell. He was rich. <laughs> Yeah, even his, even the steward of his house. If you read uh, when uh, when he sent his servant to go get a bride for Isaac, and he went to get Rebecca, he 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 told Rebecca's family how how rich he had made him. That's one of the places. I think it's uh, Genesis twenty-two or twenty-four. Anyway, the whole story is a self-portrait of the author of this Bible. That 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 servant. But David was another one. Very wealthy, loved God. Doesn't mean he was perfect. But there's a lot of people in the Bible that talks about had great wealth and they still love God. So it doesn't have to happen to people today that it, it, it's, it's not a bad thing. If you have, if your soul is prospering as well. Huh? But it's definitely one of the pitfalls of wealth. And you have to keep on guard against that. And you always just pray against stuff like that. Lord, just pour it on, but make me usable. Make me, make me a good steward. Don't give me anything that's going to take me further from you. And that's a hard prayer sometimes because it's real. And he loves you that much. Why would he give you something that's going to destroy your, your eternal destiny or destroy your relationship with him? So just say, listen, whatever you give me, it's not going to take me further from you. It's just going to... Bring me closer to you. But you got to help me with that, Lord. And then you just got to press in. I would say take this, this journaling that you're doing every morning where you're talking to God and asking him to talk to you about anything he wants and tell you how he sees you and all this. Don't, don't stop. Don't stop after 30 days. Keep going forever. <laughs> That's my recommendation. <laughs>
Because you see what that's going to do is lead you into more and more greater things. Greater relationship with him. You're going to get excited about the word. Because a lot of times you're going to sit there and he's not going to say anything. If this hasn't happened to you yet, it will. You're going to sit there and he's not going to say anything. And then you won't have anything to say. And what he's doing, he's pointing you to this. And then you'll open it. And then he'll say something from here. Huh? And then it'll get you interested. And then you'll start. <sighs> like Randy, you'll start just eating it up. Man, I've been there. Oh, man. So fun. Just gobbling it up. You just can't get enough. That's that relationship he's after. This is Jesus without eyeballs. Feet. Huh? So listen. What? The Apostle Paul said, and I'm, I'm about done here. I, I didn't know what I was going to do. <laughs> Paul said, I mean, uh, John. John said, I have no greater joy than this. To hear my children, of my children walking in truth. Huh? So, his greatest concern wasn't financial prosperity for their <laughs> was it? But it was it was the prosperity of their soul. That's good, and that's that's safe. Yeah, because because if you have if you if you're prospering in your soul, then it's good and safe for you to be prospering financially. So the best thing he can hear first is that you're prospering in in your soul and that you're walking in the truth, right? Now, he was talking about his spiritual children, of course, but Christian parents should be able to say that about their children. Isn't that right? I mean, that their greatest joy is to hear that their children are, are walking in truth. That means they're walking with Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no truth apart from Jesus. There's no way to heaven, and there's no real life without Jesus. That means they're walking with Jesus in accordance with the word of God. Amen? Amen. Unfortunately, even Christian parents are often more concerned about their kids being happy and having a good job than they are with their, their, uh, their spiritual life. And, and I get it in a sense because young people are going to twist off. They're going to go find out. They're going to at some point in their life, at least just for a minute, I don't care how raised in the church or not. Either way, they're going to go test their independence and, and a little rebellion and all that. I mean, if, if you meet one that never did, uh, Andrew Womack may be the only one that I know. But other than that, the rest of us have all gone a little crazy. And uh, so it's good to want them to be doing well, you know, even if they're going crazy. <laughs> but just keep praying. Just keep praying. Because you, you, you really should be more concerned about being with them forever in heaven, huh? Yeah? Our main prayer for our children, for every Christian, their children, grandchildren, should be that they have prosperous souls. Yeah. John says, a prosperous soul walks in the truth and love and submits to godly authority and the authority of the word and imitates Godly examples. 
those are things you can glean just from those scriptures right there in, 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 in that passage of scripture. I think I've, uh, well, I wanted to go a lot further today, but I just, I got off into a bunch of things that I wasn't planning on, so <laughs> I'm not going to hold you any longer than your seats can endure. You already might have missed the Baptists and Lubies, but, uh, <laughs> but I won't starve you to death, amen. <laughs> And we'll have a good starting place for next week. Amen. I love you all, and uh, um, we'll uh, we'll finish with some praise and worship. And uh, if anyone needs prayer, just come on up. We'll get you healed. We'll get you blessed. Find out whatever it is that the Lord has for you today. Amen. Amen. Love you all. Have a wonderful day. And. Uh, Look forward to seeing you soon. Amen. 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 Amen.